Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I am better than yesterday. <laughs> so that's a good thing. How okay. are you today? You know, I'm good. I thought I would spice things up a little bit with my new virtual background. Do you like? I love it. I love it. I love the wood color. I love that table. Yeah. So I'm loving the colors what? and the, the mix of the rustic and contemporary. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it's just time to play. Um, have a little fun and get on the internet and find some virtual backgrounds and spice things up a little bit. Speaking of spicy, I am loving the purple velvet and the updo. Oh, like you look like you need to go on a date after this. Maybe I do need a date. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. I'm tired of being at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let Mike know. Liz is prescribing a date. <laughs> yes, even if you don't go anywhere, like you need to, that needs to have some like candle light oh. and, you know, a nice bottle of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell me. Okay, all right, I've got it. I'm feeling it. Well, you also have a new background. And you mentioned yesterday. So what's going on with you? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you what happened yesterday because I imagine that so many of our instigating women, mothers and fathers can uh, identify, but hopefully they didn't um, do what I did, which was that I had a full metal breakdown of sobbing <laughs> on the Google Hangout with our second grade teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I did that yesterday. Oh. I love how you say our second grade teacher. <laughs> well, yes, because I too am attending second grade. <laughs> and that is the hardest part, honestly, trying to have a career and oversee a second grader, especially one that has ADHD, yeah. is, uh, it's a bridge too far, honestly. And I say that as somebody with privilege. And so I just can't even imagine what families that don't have all of the advantages that we have are, are doing, honestly but it came down to technology as it generally does. And she was supposed to be doing this assignment where she demonstrated that she could record herself demonstrating an assignment and then submit that. And I actually canceled a meeting because I could not figure it out. And then my husband canceled a meeting and the two of us sat there for half an hour trying to troubleshoot this freaking thing. And we couldn't do it. And so I called back into the Google Meet where the teacher's available for office hours. And she started trying to walk me through it. And all of a sudden I just realized, oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry, I'm gonna cry. Don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. The minute I say don't cry to myself, of course that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I finally had to say, uh, Mrs. Gamash, I'm, I'm sorry, I just need a minute. 
And then I just started sobbing and said, please don't, you know, think that we're not trying. It's just, I'm also trying to attend meetings at work. And I just, and she was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, and then oh. like through the video, she was like, oh, it's okay. Like, hugging you. it's going to be all right. Don't worry about this assignment. <laughs> yeah. And then she sent me a really lovely email saying that she wished she could come to our house and just troubleshoot it for me. And it just reminded me how much teachers need to be sainted. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Definitely. And that this pandemic, actually my professional coach said it perfectly. It's like having a colicky newborn. Ah. You know, it just goes on and on and on and it exhausts you and the minute you think you've got one thing figured out 10 more things crop up right so right. It's, it's never ending true tests yeah I said yesterday that if I could if I could quit this unpaid job of being <laughs> a homeschool mom I would quit without notice but I probably wouldn't be able to find the resignation form and download it properly and then submit it. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to quit. I wouldn't be able to quit. I wouldn't figure out the process, the quitting process. Oh my gosh. And how many people are in the same boat? <sighs> so many, so many. So yeah, that was my yesterday. But today is a different day. Yes. And I am not going to cry, ugly cry. I'm not going to ugly cry to anyone, let alone our second grade teacher, because there's no school today. It's an in-service. Oh. Good. So the saints got a break. Yes. 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 So I am excited to do this exercise with you, if you will submit to it with me. Okay. Um, I did it with a client who has been, she's been wrestling with just body image and um, the pressure that we all feel as women in uh, patriarchy to um, mold ourselves into that image of perfection and you know, it, she, she wanted to get some distance from that. Um, and so we did an exercise together and it was, it was really hard and really powerful because this is something that I too have wrestled with for a very long time. And so we broke the rules of coaching a little bit because she wanted me to do it with her in order for her to be willing to be vulnerable. And so I did. And um, we've both been reading this book that I think I mentioned last time, um, Shrill by Lindy West, which is so hilarious and so gut-wrenchingly powerful about how our society uh, shames, shames and or ignores people that don't fit that mold of the perfect body. Mm -hmm. And um, so, we talked about the fact that when we 
shame ourselves when we try to make ourselves small and thin and beautiful and hairless and ageless, we are doing the work of the patriarchy. Hmm. We are we are becoming ourselves foot soldiers hmm. for the patriarchy. And so the first thing we did was we imagined that every minute we spend telling ourselves that we're ugly, telling ourselves that we're fat, telling ourselves that we're wrinkled. Every minute that we're doing that, we, are, we imagine that that is a minute that comes off the end of our lives in one continuous chunk. Hmm. So when we think of it that way, how much time would we actually be willing to spend doing that? Hmm. Powerful perspective. When you think of that, when you think of it, how much time you've spent in your life pressing yourself into that mold and criticizing yourself when you weren't doing enough. Oh, what do yeah. you think about that? Well, as I'm thinking about your question, um, it's probably been years that I've taken off my life if I add it up. And I will also say, I don't know if you even know this, but um, you know, between the time I got married and 2018, I gained 50 pounds. Um, some of that just general life, some of that having three babies, I gained about 20 pounds with each one each time and I would lose a little bit and gain a little bit back. And so in 2018, um, yeah, I, I felt the pressure of being part of the C-suite of a health system. And, you know, not really overtly being told that I was overweight, but in repeated conversations, you know, we as executives of a health system need to be healthy. We had an executive physical program that wasn't mandatory, but there was talk of it needing to become mandatory. And I also personally always struggled with dressing like an executive, wearing the suit. Um, and I just started to communicate very overtly up front and even in interviews that I tended to dress differently and that was very purposeful because I wanted to be approachable as an executive. So I worked through that, but the whole weight thing um, was still really bothering me. And, and then I, I just had a conversation with myself and reflected, if I got serious about being accountable to lose the weight, was it because the patriarch of the healthcare system had 
describe that as an expectation? Or was this something that I personally believed was right for me? And could I figure out what was holding me back from losing the weight? Because it's not like I hadn't tried. Um, and I did wrestle with that for a long time. And what I finally decided was, um, I don't want to lose weight to hit a number. I don't want to lose weight for to be accepted by others, including the patriarchy culture or the expectation of a woman. Um, I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be agile and flexible. And I want to be a role model um, not just to my kids and not just to my husband and not to other midlife women, uh, but even to myself to have that confidence that um, I'm doing everything in my power to be as healthy as I possibly can to live as long as I can. Um, and so I think um, I've already taken years off my life. And yet the mindset shift um, was important and powerful in my life. Uh, from, so from May 2018 to December 2019, I just gradually changed the way I ate, the way I exercised, but most importantly, um, I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive my expectations. I had to forgive the ugly looks I would give myself in the mirror. I had to forgive um, different pot parts of my body for not being perfect. Um, and, and so that was really powerful, which helps me in, in other areas of my life as well. Um, so hopefully with that changing perspective, um, I can start to add back sometime and add back some years at the end of my life um, and, and really recognize what's important. Um, so part of, part of why I ate the way I did was because I have this fear of getting older. So I felt like if I ate like a kid and I ate, you know, like a teenager and a college kid and just no holds barred, it was fun and it provided a little flexibility in my life and was a little rebellious. And so what I had to grapple with wasn't really about eating per se. It was about my fear of getting older and my perspective. Um, and uh, now I, I just recognize I, I'm not afraid to get older and I'm not afraid to die. I, I want to do good work. I want to do good. In, in this world. Um, and if I really want to have the longest possible opportunity to do good, um, then I will eat healthy and I will exercise and I will do all those things that might sound boring. But grace is um, a higher reward for me now than fun and rebellion. Mm. And so um, that, that's just uh, those thoughts and reflections must be had internally. 
Now, how other people perceive me by the way I look, I mean, that's, that's just culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we grow up memorizing. This looks like this. And so it's that this sounds like this. And so it's that. And so the cultural pressures of how I should look as a midlife woman executive, you know, I, I just had to start to recognize that that's how the brain learns when we're kids. Mm -hmm. um, should we all apply learning differently as adults and, and see the nuances? Yeah, we should. Um, so that the biases don't start to come out. Um, but it's pretty rare for people to take the time to, you know, rethink what they learned as kids um, and then to apply the learning differently. Um, and so I had to start with myself. I love that, how you reframed this idea of being healthy, that it's not about being a size or a certain weight, that it's about extending your life so that you can do the things you want to do as long as you can do them. And that is, that has been helpful for me. Um, but I admittedly, this is work I will do for as long as I'm on the planet. I will struggle with this because it's so deeply ingrained, as you said, what we learn when we're young. And that's what I love about that book is that she deconstructs all of the messaging that we have received from every Disney movie we've ever watched mm -hmm. about what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a woman that has a right to take up space mm -hmm. um, and to experience herself as a valuable human. And um, mm -hmm. I feel like for me, and I know we're running out of time, but just a quick funny story. Now, now tell me about your perspective. You went through the exercise too. I did, I did. And um, uh, it was staggering. I mean, I, I struggled for a lot of my um, younger life with a eating disorder. And it still feels like it's always on the fringe waiting to come back. Okay. And so I have to be vigilant about how much I let myself think about what I eat and let myself measure my exercise. Um, and I spend a lot of time worrying that my daughters will will somehow inherit it. Um, but what I have in my favor is that I feel like the universe regularly sends me messages that I need to self, that I need to have self-love. Bruce, come here. And the way the universe does this, oh, Bruce is going to join us. Okay. Every time I do something, that is aesthetic, something goes wrong. Uh, and I, it's literally every time. Uh, so when I, when I got Botox, you know how they are always telling you, you need to do more than what you're, I walk in there, I'm like, oh, just give me half the dose. And then they convince me that they, I need to do what they say. Well, I have, as you can see, a very large forehead. And when I get Botox for whatever it makes, even though I, I get rid of the wrinkles, it makes me look like I'm a Cro-Magnon because my brows get so heavy. I am not joking you. And then I, and I did it probably two or three times and I've come home and, you know, my husband is British. He 
does not agree with any of this, right? He just is like, they don't even practically go to the dentist. Right. Okay. He, he, both times when I come home and I start talking to him, he's like, oh, are you saying something? Because I can't, like, I'm not reading anything from your facial expressions because there aren't any. So that's that. And then the third time I did Botox, I swear, if there is a statistical anomaly, I will be it. So my esthetician convinced me to try fillers. And I am not joking you. I, <laughs> I allowed her to put some fillers right here on both sides. 20% of people who get fillers will have a reaction to it where their face will swell up and they will have, it's like called retained filler syndrome. Of course. And so for the three years on this side of my face, most mornings I wake up and it's puffy because there is retained filler in there that didn't ever dissolve. Okay. Right. So what is the I'd love for you to do an exercise right now, which is put your hands over your mouth, pretend like it's a mask for COVID. And let us all see. <laughs> if we could only see your forehead, that would move and your, your bulge under your eye. <laughs> oh my God, Liz. <laughs> You're so funny. So. So basically the universe has said to me time and again, girl, just let it ride. Just let it ride. And I am now listening. I am now listening. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. So what do we do with that? Guys. I don't know. We let it ride. <laughs> okay. That's our mantra for today. We're going to let it ride. ride. Yep. Have a good one. You too. <laughs> Thanks.